All right, welcome to the MBS special edition. Uh, today we got we got our big interview. We have Rhino uh, from Impact Wrestling in the building. Um, we got True X, the sports guy, along with Just Justin. Uh, we're here to uh, to interview the War Machine. How's it going, man? Good, good. I thought we were live a few minutes ago. I wasted all my good material. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's just tapered down from here. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh man, we're just. You guys can save this. Hopefully, you guys can save this interview. <laughs> oh, we will. We will. Okay, good, good. You guys are the professionals. I'm not. <laughs> Definitely. But uh, what? Since we're actually on the Nothing But Sports Show, um, do you watch sports, Rhino? Uh, you. You know, a lot of guys and girls, they fall sports in uh, the wrestling business. Um, it's hard to. I started years ago when there wasn't no um, iPhones or, you know, Internet and stuff like that. So um, you'd really have to dedicate yourself. And, you know, a lot of times when these games are on TV, you're at the live event, you know, working or you're at TV working. So it was, it was really hard to. Um, you know, follow teams other than reading in the paper and this and that. But now it's a lot easier to follow teams. But I, I got accustomed to just focusing on wrestling and focusing on the town and focusing on working out and all that stuff. Um, now with technology, I'm not as hip or up to the game. So I don't follow it like I should. Um, I don't follow it, um, you know, because Detroit is a sports town, you know, yeah. and uh, um, I don't follow it uh, like I, I would like to. So, but I'm a big baseball fan. Um, Lions, it's tough being a Lions fan. <laughs> but my DNA tells me I'm a Lions fan, so I will. Um, I, I do enjoy uh, uh, um, U of M football because it's outdoors and, you know, when the fall, and I played football and, you know, we always played outdoors. So, the, the fall, you know, when falls in the air, you know, in the Midwest and, you know, you, you get that cold weather, it, it stinks to play in, but, you know, as a fan, you know, sometimes it's really nice to watch. So the Lions, they've, you know, been playing indoors for several decades now, and it just doesn't have that same feel, but I enjoy going to uh, Ford Field and watching a game, but I enjoy the big house a lot more. So I've got to get to the Michigan State game. Michigan State. Okay, okay. Well, speaking of speaking of Michigan, man, there's a lot of great talent in wrestling that came from Michigan. I remember yeah. the Steiner brothers going to the ring with their Michigan jackets on. Yeah, and I thought that was always dope, man. So let, let me ask you this: um, Is there an underground circuit out there? Why is there so much talent that comes from Michigan? Nothing else better to do. <laughs> <laughs> Too damn cold outside most of the year, so we go indoors and we. Oh, so, okay. you just grow up wrestling your brothers or sisters you know i mean not like pro style but you're wrestling over that last you know uh that last um helping of food so that's how yeah. i got so but anyway um yeah it's it's one of those things where wrestling like you know it falls back on sports sports is you know in detroit in the michigan area it's a big sports uh, uh city and state so i think a lot of people are you know and you got a lot of time in the winter time you know and and amateur wrestling is is uh something and then you're in the house a lot more so you can watch wrestling and 
and uh, sports and stuff like that. So I think that's why a lot of, you know, and they, they get that dream. And uh, so then they, they follow after that dream as they become adults. And, you know, so yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of great talent that's come out of Michigan and there's a lot of great talent on the independent scenes here in Michigan and Ohio and uh, 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 Pennsylvania and stuff like that. So. That's awesome. All right. Well, I mean, you've had a, you know, like a 20 year plus career going on the road everywhere, wrestling all over the world and all over the United States. What's always brought you back to Michigan? Like you've always stayed in Michigan and you, you know, yeah, well, it's definitely not the Lions. <laughs> no, I, I, I like I like Raz and the Lions. You know, like I said, I am a fan, and you know, um, it's just it's home. You know, the 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 state. I love the state. It, like you said, I could live anywhere in the country and in the world for for uh, um, that sake. But it's just you know, I, I'm a voter. I love the Great Lakes. Um, you know, there's like, for example, um, people go, well, you can boat down there in Florida and a lot of wrestlers go down to Florida. Yeah, that's true. But there's our, there's sharks in the water in Florida. <laughs> here, in, here in Lake Erie, we just have to worry about pollution that'll, you know, make you glow at night. But other than that, I mean, <laughs> really don't have much to worry about, you know, that, you know, we don't have poison snakes and stuff like that. But um, you know, it's like sports. If, you know, you want, if you could watch football all year long, you know, it would take away from it, you know, and it's good to have a season, whether it's baseball, football. Um, I know there's some people that talked about pro wrestling having a season. Um, I think pro wrestling's uh, different, you know, but um, maybe it would help business. Maybe it wouldn't, who knows? Um, I just like going and performing all year long. So, um, you know, so it's nice to have a boating season. And and I think that's the main thing that keeps me in Michigan is the Great Lakes. And to be honest with you, the snow doesn't bother me. So, well, January, February, and March, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if, Bre if wrestling did go to a season, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I said snow on the ground for Christmas is great. But after that, no. <laughs> Well, I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what you said. If wrestling did go to a season, I know a lot of fans would be hurt by it, but what months do you think would be best if they did go by seasons? Um, I think it would just have a, a different as far as stories and stuff like that. How much time do you have off? What do you do on the time off? Um, would there still be independent wrestling shows, which probably there would be. So I, I don't think, uh, um, but also what, what really helps fuel the machine is with WWE and uh, AEW and, and, and like WCW or impact wrestling is sponsorships and sponsorships pay for all year long too. And that helps pay the talent and that helps pay the growth. And when you grow, you can do better things like whether it's work in communities and stuff like that. So the bigger the, the, the companies become, the better it is all around, you know? So um, so that way, you know, but then again, it's like, are there movies only seasonal, you know? So yeah, mm -hmm. wrestling is more, you know, entertainment and athleticism and combined. So it's, 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 you know, it's a little different than, than sports, but who knows, you know, definitely I like working all year long. 
<laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> I'd be bored if I had to sit at home. <laughs> so starting starting from the beginning, like at what age were you actually introduced to wrestling? Oh, geez, I was just thinking about that the other day. Um, hmm. I want to say '86. It was right after WrestleMania one, right before WrestleMania two, in between there, and uh, like a lot of other people I, I talked to, because I talked to a lot of fans, um, you know, once they seen it, they're like, oh my God, what is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is awesome, you know? And, uh, you know, I was introduced, you know, when, uh, um, you know, when Andre the Giant was still a baby face and I loved him. <laughs> and then King Kong Bundy, I, I remember him splashing uh, Hogan. It was a buildup for WrestleMania too. And the, yep. Man, man, I was, man, I was, I was very upset with that, you know. And I realized that wrestling, all we do is mess with people's emotions. <laughs> Lord, I cried, I cried, man. Some of the, some of those matches. I'm not gonna lie. When right. um, Hogan lost the Ultimate Warrior, I cried. I was an Ultimate Warrior fan, but I liked Hogan more. Right, right. Well, no, leading into, I'll never forget when Hogan turned, uh, or when Andre turned heel on Hogan, the Piper's Pit, man, I was hooked. And, you know, we didn't have money growing up, but we uh, we got in trouble and my parents were going to buy tickets to WrestleMania. And then they were like, okay, they, they suffered enough, you know? And uh, I remember my mom calling for tickets and I think there were some available, but there weren't four together. And we we're all small. We couldn't have split each other up, you know? So um, they, I remember we called, I think it was Ticketmaster, and they were looking and they were looking. And yeah, so, but the thought of them trying to get one was cool enough. And, and WrestleMania three over 93,000 people. I'll never forget that day. I was in a party store, ran to the party store, and, and uh, a guy, he goes, aren't you going to watch WrestleMania? And I'm like, nah. Um, and he goes, and I, I think he asked about the main event. And I said, I'd like Hulk Hogan to win, but I think Andre is going to win. Because if you remember, they made a title that would fit Andre. Uh-huh. At that age, I was kind of like, you hear people, oh, it's a work and this and that. And you're like, nah. And then you're like, maybe, you know, but I still, I, I still believe. And then when they brought out the title, I'm like, they would not have spent all that money on a title if they're not going to switch it, right? That's <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> that was a nail in the coffin for Hogan, right? So, and then on the news, when I heard he won, because it was on local news, and I just like jumped up and yeah, I think they were promoting that they were going to tell the results or something, or if I, because usually I was in bed by then. Um, you know, but uh, like now I'm in bed by eight, nine o'clock, <laughs> but, uh, it's coming full circle, baby. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I was just like, I heard that he won and they had that little clip from it and I was just, it blew my mind. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever, you know? So yeah. And I, I, I didn't think he was going to pull it off and I actually just watched the match not too long ago. So I actually, uh, had a girl over here. I was showing, she never watched wrestling and. I showed her some matches and she's like, why was I exposed to this as a kid? I just told her your parents sucked. <laughs> you know, she's like, like, I'm showing her all the good stuff, right? Cause she has kids and she, you know, 
her kids watch his stuff. So it's like her kids will come down to the marina and hang out and stuff. But yeah, I, you gotta you gotta watch some of the good stuff like Piper and Orton and all those guys. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm not judging anybody's uh, parental you know, capabilities, but if you don't expose your kids to at least '80s wrestling, you know, <laughs> nowadays wrestling's pretty clean, you know. But yeah. Definitely. So after you watched Andre, well, you didn't watch it, you went to bed. Did you, when did you go to your mom or your dad, your teacher and say, look, I want to be a wrestler. That's what I want to do for a career. Oh, I, I just dreamt about it. And that's what I, it's important. It's important for people to know. I, I hate people that, um, you know, try to tell kids don't, uh, don't daydream, don't dream. You know, if you kill a person's dream, you kind of kill them inside too. Um, yeah. it, there's nothing wrong with being a dreamer, you know, always focus, you know, work hard. And like I tell kids, I'll never forget. I went to a school. It was out in Lansing area. Just, I forget how I got rookered into it, but, um, someone I knew, they were like, Hey, can you do a career day? And I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. And I don't mind doing that stuff. It's very rewarding. So here I am as a professional wrestler. And this was like, four years ago, maybe three years ago, you know, talk about how you got into it and this and that. You, you Basically a career day and it was middle school. So right before we go to the classes we're assigned to and they move you around and stuff. And there's people like from firefighters to lawyers to you name it, you know. Um, and then the principal is like, oh, this is the age where, you know, you got to, you know, try to convince to these kids that, you know, they're not going to be that rapper, the pro football player, or the uh, uh, basketball player, or, you know, you kind of got to steer them in the right direction as far as a career. And I, I look at the person next to me, I go, well, what the hell am I doing here for? <laughs> like, I'm really close, right? yeah. And I'm like, way to kill their dreams, principal. And I'm like, and I understood what he was saying, but you know, the thing is, is I, I try to explain to kids, you know, like I would never be a basketball player. My vertical is maybe six inches, eight at my best day, right? So, mm -hmm. um, actually, it's a little higher than that, though. <laughs> you guys are like, man, I feel bad for Ryan. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, I know I can't be a basketball player, but if I have that love and that passion and I would play the game and maybe I couldn't be on the court, but some of the best coaches out there That's weren't right. that great of athletes, weren't that great of a uh, player of the game. Um, you can be a, uh, you can get into marketing. There's so many things that make like a basketball team go, a football team, a wrestling promotion, um, you know, so there's an, an acting, you might not be a great actor, but there's nothing wrong with being the best director. You know, you might, um, so like, for example, you might want to own a business, you know, uh, something along those lines, you know, so it's just, you can never, and, and that's one thing I disliked about counselors in high school. They're kind of like guiding you where they think you'll, and I know they're doing a job and stuff like that. But they never once, like, I don't remember a counselor going, what do you want to do? Because I would have told them I would have wanted to yeah. be a program. You know, and then sometimes, you know, when I did start telling people after I was out of high school, you know, because that's what I went into um, about a year after high school, found a school, this and that. 
And, uh, you know, I was laughed at, believe it or not. My best friend at the time, he's still a good friend. You know, he turned around and he laughed at me. And I go, why are you laughing at me, bro? And we would train in the gym together. He goes, you're not big enough. And I had a growth spurt, you know, and I'm like, and I was only like 214 at the time. And, you know, I'm like, you know, back then it was the land of the giants. So it was actually just coming off the land of the giants. So. Um, you know, but it's one of those things where you can't just get discouraged and you got to move forward. Right. So, and, and, and if you believe in it and if you work hard, you can achieve goals, you know, so, but never, never let people kill your dreams, you know, and it's always good to keep dreaming, you know, that next step and going after it, you know, absolutely. So, so what would you say to that, to that parent that, uh, doesn't think that their children should watch wrestling or want to be a wrestler, but yet they would put them in karate or you know mma uh to the parents who think that you know wrestling is too violent or like promotes bullying what, what would you say to that parent you know i, I always tell you know um I, I mean we're there's no book on being a parent you know and even if there was you know i mean a book on the proper i'm sure there's books out there i know <laughs> there was pregnancy books out there when my ex-wife was pregnant what to expect when expecting. So I'm sure there's parent parental books out there, but there's no right way or wrong way. I mean, as far as a parent, you can, um, you know, so I think as a parent, I always like to say, let kids be kids and try to figure it out. You know, let them know you'll be there for them. I was very blessed to have good parents. You know, a lot of times it's hard for a kid to communicate with the parents because they, you might think you're weird. When I was growing up, I'll go a little deep on you guys. Um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit OCD, right? But as a kid, my dad would, like, I thought that was abnormal, right? Like, I would make my bed, like, no wrinkles or whatever, you know. But it wasn't one of those things where it, it, it hindered my life, you know. It did a little bit, but my parents thought that, uh, I can only imagine the conversations they had. They were like, well, he's gone into the Marine Corps or he's gay. One of the two. <laughs> Nobody makes a bet that neat unless you're either one or the other, right? So, but anyways, um, no, but I would keep things nice and neat and clean. And my dad was kind of like that too. So I don't know if he, if he was ever like that. But uh, growing up, I think, you know, if I would have told my dad, he would have been like, ah, it's not a big deal. And I put pressure on myself, you know? Yeah. So, one thing I'd like to convey to kids, if you think there's something, you know, abnormal, you know, chances are your parents have probably seen or heard everything at that point in their life. So if you just have an open communication with them, you realize that you're worrying about nothing, you know, so, and there's tools out there to help people, you know, and kids that, you know, may have, um, you know, a different trait or a different skill, you know, such as that. So, but anyways. Definitely, man. Well, let me let, let, let's let's go back. Let's go back in your in your lifetime, right? And in NBA, NFL, you have draft night. When is that moment that you received the call or the news that you basically was gonna be a professional wrestler? And how did you feel? Um, well, I went to um, uh, well, I got I called a, a wrestling school, and it just kind of everything just kind of continued to uh, wheel and uh, the wheels kept on moving, you know, when they were in motion and uh, um, 
you know, so like the, I found a school, I found the number I went, and, you know, kind of things started rolling. But, you know, in your mind, you think of this glorious, you know, like you're going to get a call and, gonna <laughs> and then you're going to go here, you're going to go there. I was in my trailer and I was getting ready to go to bed. Well, that morning I was actually going to the bank and then, uh, you know, just doing typical banking stuff. Um, and then I got a call from uh, Bruce Pritchard at the time. And he said, hey, listen, you know, this was the end of January of 2001. He goes, we'll send you out that three-year deal. And, uh, you know, look it over, blah, blah, blah. You know, you, you're downside and then you can make whatever. So I'm like, okay, cool, you know. And then later that night, I got a call from uh, Brad Riggins. I was literally going to bed in my trailer. <laughs> and um, the, the the window next to my bed, we'd have to put like this, you know, the, the, the plastic you put over the windows and tape. If you're ever, if you're a Midwestern person, it helps keep the heat in and your electric bill. And that would always fall down. They're <laughs> just middle of the night just taping it up and uh <laughs> anyways uh for the most part it was a nice trailer but um then uh brad riggins called me the same day and uh, he goes we want to bring you over for a tour in march and i go i'd love to but i already you know talked to them earlier and he said hey man go there make as much money as you can you know i'm happy for you and I said, you know, things. If he would have called me first, I would have agreed to it. And then, yeah. you know, not not. Um, and I would have probably, you know, still worked with WWE. You know, they would have been like, okay, go over there. You committed to it, and then when you get back, we'll start you over here. But yeah, it was it was it was weird. But it, there was no big, you know, like <laughs> oh, this is great. It's nothing like that. It's like, hey, you want a job? Yeah. <laughs> so. So how did you get your 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 Rhino name? Well, the, the there's a lot of speculation out there, but I I want to say it was Reckless Youth that told D'Lo, you know, and then D'Lo came over and told me, um, it was a, you know, and this is what I tell a lot of you know a lot of up and coming wrestlers, you know, go to these shows, these small independent shows, because you don't know what you're gonna learn, you know, and what to do and what not to do and. There was a show and D'Lo came up to me and the lights were out, but the show must go on. And uh, they got a little generator with some tree lights and they ran the show. There was about 40, 50 people there. And it was at the GI Forum in Detroit here and just a little building. And he said, hey, you ever thought about using that name? And I go, uh, no. And uh, I go, but yeah, thanks. And then the show after that, I used Terry Rhino Richards. And then the show after that, that was at... Uh, at Al Snow's school in Lima, Ohio. He would run little shows out there. And uh -huh. uh, so that was the first time I ever used the name Rhino. And then I used Rhino Richards for a couple of years. And I started with ECW and then I just dropped Richards. And then when I went to WWE, they were trying to figure out a different name because they were having a, a tough time uh, uh, trademarking Rhino, but they ended up getting it through with a Y, so. Yeah. And there's another thing, you know, they, they go, they're like, we got to find out another name, right? I'm like, my buddy Joe Legend said, why don't they change the I to a Y like they did with China? So I pitched that to him. So then uh, five weeks later, I was just doing, you know, shows on the indies or not indies, but like dark match and uh, on live events, you know, for WWE. And then we were using Rhino and, and until I come up with their, until they came up with a name, they could trademark. And, uh, 
all of a sudden we were at TVs. They go, you're starting tonight. I go, really? I go, did they figure out a name? They go, yeah, Rhino with a Y. Uh, um, it was on Hayes. He goes, yeah, Vince got it cleared. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like, <laughs> hey, you're starting. Rhino with a Y. Okay. <laughs> you know. And, and now, 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 so, now you switched it back to the I? Yeah, see, I have the rights to R-H-I-N-O. Yeah. Oh. So I think what it is is they like to they like to trademark a certain name. But the reason why I can use the I is because I never signed it over to them. You know, oh. and in the second contract in 2003, they put it in there. And I said, now, unless I signed it over to them because I used it prior, kind of like Macho Man, Randy Savage, uh -huh. he, he had that, you know, unless you sign it over to them. And I said, hey, I don't mind signing the wild because you guys, you know, went through the hassles of trademarking it, but I'm not signing the wild, you know. So I think yeah. like little Guido signed little Guido over when he signed. I'm not too sure, but I think he told me uh, signed it over. So, and a lot of times, if you don't, you know, um, if you don't mention anything, it, or if you mention something, they'll just, you know, just give it back to you. So. Oh, okay. So they work with you. That's dope. <laughs> yeah, I can't say anything bad about WB. They've always been good. All the places I've really worked, you know. So um Impact before they were they were pretty cool. Um, you know, so I haven't had a really bad experience, you know. So I've been very fortunate. So Okay, okay. You want me to ask another question? What are some of the sports you guys watch? And who are you? I watch players? I watch everything. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's why they call me the sports junkie. I watch everything. Soccer everything. Behind me. Um, nice. I would, nice. I would, I, I'll be honest with you. And I, I never come on here and try to sugarcoat anything. I was a huge wrestling fan in the 80s and 90s, early yeah. 2000s. And I kind of like just went away from wrestling altogether. Yeah. No, which is understandable. Usually you go through, you get out of wrestling. And I got out of wrestling probably in my high school years. And I think a lot of, a lot of people get out of it in their high school years. Um, you know, cause I think they discover different things, you know, like maybe hanging out with the guys and, you know, and all that. And the cool thing now is I think, you know, the reason why you've seen a lot of big boom in wrestling for, with women um, I think because a lot of the guys in the eighties that watched it, you know, they would take their daughters and show their daughters and, you know, and then it's one of those things. Now they're older, they're, you know, getting into it and, you know, and a lot of them, it's just like, they're so talented, you know, I'd hate to get in the ring with them because they probably really <laughs> mess me up. <laughs> Not only are they talented, they're tough. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get your finisher move, uh, Gore? And mm -hmm. who, in your opinion, was your favorite Gore? Like, who did you Gore that was your your favorite ever? Um, Jericho through the the uh, SmackDown set was always a good one. That that's made me a couple bucks on the replays. <laughs> um, uh Actually, Tracy Smothers was the first one to tell me to Gordo, right? And it was my first match in ECW. And uh, Edge started doing it, and he'd get a couple Goldberg chants. And this was 1999. 
And I had done it in 96, and I take no credit for discovering the move. Bill Goldberg got it over. Um, you know, there's no doubt about that. But anyways, I did it to uh, Anthony Rutgazer in a show in Lincoln Park, Michigan. And he was, it, the guy dropped down, and I hit him with it, and he was my tag partner. And the way he bumped, he fell out of the ring, which I felt bad for the guy. But uh, he, he jumped over the guy, and then I, I hit him with a, a, a spear. And then A.T. Huck was the one that told me to do this, right? And then he tripped over the guy, and he fell out of the ring. It looked cool as shit. But wow. Anthony, thank God he didn't get hurt, seriously hurt, right? So then I literally thought to myself, I'll never do that that move again, right? <laughs> it crazy, right? So fast forward three years later, um, it was technically, it was my first in-ring experience with, uh, um, uh, or no, it was a match, my, my bad. And then uh, I, was, I forget who I was working with, but Tracy Smothers, it was the FBI came running in, Nova and, uh, came running down to save me, but Tracy goes, just come across and spear me. I go, well, I don't want to do it because some people are chanting Goldberg with with uh, Edge when he hits it. He goes, and Tracy Smothers is a tough SOB. He goes, I didn't <laughs> ask you. I asked you if you could do it. I didn't ask you if you were worried about people chanting Goldberg and the boys thinking you're a move stealer. I go, he goes, can you do it? I go, yeah. He goes, okay, then do it. If anybody says anything to you, send them to me. And I'm like, okay. So I hit him with it and then and then it went really well and um so I ended up using it as like a cutoff so fast forward a couple of years later because in ECW I'd do a pile driver as a finish fast forward a couple of years later in WWE you couldn't do a pile driver because after Austin broke his neck so then uh I was thinking about doing a TKO you know like Mark Merrill and all that stuff so I, would, I was working with Steve Lombardi on the live events and I'd hit him with a, a spear off the ropes. And then, but by then Paul was calling it a gore in ECW. So then I'd pick him up and then I'd do a TKO and he goes, just pin me after the, 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 uh, the gore because it gets the bigger pop. And I go, okay. And I literally thought to myself, I'm like, oh, what a veteran being lazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, so, but he was right because it would get a bigger pop, right? So, um, so I just kept on doing that, and then I started setting up in the corner, right? So, and I think that's the the the, the cool thing about it, right? So, anyways, uh, so Steve Lombardi was the one to give it to me for a finish, so I give him credit for that, and he always brings it up to me now because I, I shouldn't <laughs> have pointed out, like I gave you your finish. I'm like, you told me to use a move that I was already using. <laughs> Oh. brother good thing i'm not asking you for royalties okay since we talk about matches and stuff tell me the best match you've personally been a part of and the best match you ever watched oh geez um you know wrestling your first wrestlemania you know you never forget your first and being part of the 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 TLC too, um, you know, and being in there with, you know, from the Dudleys to the Hardys to Edge and Christian, helping with the finish. Um, and uh, I'll tell you a story about that. So here you are, 72,000 people, 
you know, the night I, I was never a guy, you know, stay up late. I'm, you know, I'm falling asleep early. Like I'll drive through the night and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but if I can, if I can get flat early, I will, you know, so um, like tonight, I'll probably be in bed by eight, nine o'clock. Wow. <laughs> the pandemic, the, the pandemic, I was in bed sometimes at six o'clock. <laughs> so but anyways, and I'm one of those guys that watch TV too. So I'll just, you know, I'll just go to bed and watch TV and fall asleep. And then wake up at three o'clock in the morning and watch TV for three hours, <laughs> fall asleep for another two. But um, no, but I like getting up early. I was I was always like that as a kid and stuff. So um, we we had a we had to go to the the arena back then. They you know set up the ring, and if you wanted to go and you know, look at the place or walk through the place. I don't want to really say rehearsals because it really wasn't that, you know, kick around ideas, try not to, you know, hurt each other, you know, get the lay of the land type deal. So um, I was actually, the Dudley boys were there. You know, I was raised, you know, shut up and tell you're spoken to, right? Like Sabu would tell me that, you know, just listen to everything and just, you know, be aware so I was just sitting in like JR's seat, right? You know, they had all the other announcements yeah. and stuff, and that that's comfortable. And it's probably like eleven thirty at night. I'm already two and a half hours past my bedtime. So I start falling asleep. And Bubba, I'd known Bubba since ECW, and I worked with him a little bit before he left for WWE. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear Edge go right out, and I wake up. And, and he goes, would you like to stay awake? You know, there's a little thing called WrestleMania tomorrow. And I'm like, <laughs> my bad. Right? So, and I see Bubba just looking at me, glaring at me, right? And uh looked like he wanted to chew my a hole in my neck, right? So, but anyways, I mean, I was fighting it for a good half hour, dozing off. And, you know, so they're, they're setting up some ladders and stuff like that, you know, just like I said, try to get the lay of the land and all that. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if you remember that spear um, that mm -hmm. Edge did on Jeff Hardy. And Jeff's on the ladder, and, you know, and they said something. And I go, and like, I'm like, why don't they just put, why don't Bubba, why don't you just pull the ladder, right? Like, that's what I'm thinking. So I, I'm kind of like that kid in class wanting to raise my hand because I was just yelling at about a half hour ago. And they were spending like 15 minutes on it. And I'm like, the answer's right there. Bubba, you gotta pull the ladder, then I'll swing forward, right? So, so finally I just said, you know what? I'm done with this. This is really cutting into my bedtime. So, hey, why don't you do this? So they're like, oh, that works out great. So that was uh, that's how I contributed to that match. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, but it was, I mean, it was, it was a fun, you know, so as far as uh, probably the greatest match, you know, I mean, there's other matches where you win a title, you know, and stuff like that. Um, I was just talking to Slater. I'm trying to get him in with Impact. And uh, um, I was talking about how we did the, uh, the thing with the tag titles and in, in WWE and, um, and I go, you know, we're trying to do something similar, but different here. And I like the way it's planning out, and, um, you know, and it's just, it was very organic with WWE and we weren't planned to win, you know, maybe a couple matches together and then just go our separate ways, but it just worked. People loved it. 
so I go, yeah, that was a, that was a fun angle. You know, that was a, you know, we were together for three years. Uh, he goes, and this, this is what got me. Slater goes, uh, he goes, you know, the best part about that angle, I gained a friend out of it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's nice. I almost felt bad when I said, well, at least you gained a friend out of it. I didn't. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're a real asshole, Slater. No, I, I didn't say that, but, but, uh, I, because I didn't think of it at the time. If I would have, I would have said it. <laughs> like, who's your friend? Sure ain't me. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, no, he's a, he's a heck of a dude. I'll tell you one, uh, one, um, uh, quick road story with Slater. So, like, I love driving, right? So he'd want to drive. Sometimes I'd, I'd be falling asleep at night and he's like, let me drive. I'm like, okay. So, uh, but most of the time I drive, right? So, you know, we land, we get to the car, we're going to the building, right? And uh, he stops at a store, you know, usually grab water, this or that. So I think it was a little convenient store. It wasn't a gas station. So I figured, I, I just pull up, I, I go, here, jump out. You know, we we're running short on time. So I backed the, we always got minivans, enough room in case someone needed a ride, they could jump in. We're not pressed for room or anything, bags, all that stuff. So anyways, uh, so I back in and I, there's a light right there and I could see traffic coming from both sides, right? So I knew we weren't in any danger. So the second he jumped in and closed the door, I had it in drive, I hit the gas pedal and <laughs> I could see there's no traffic. We literally jumped into the street and he's sliding around. He <laughs> caught in the pedal and we're aiming for a tree. And then I cut the wheel and he slides one way and then he slides the other way. <laughs> and he's trying to grab on and you should have seen his face. He's like, because <laughs> he sees us heading right for a tree and then I cut the wheel and there was a red light. So I slammed on the brake and he falls forward. He's like, well, what happened? And I just started laughing. He's like, did you do that on purpose? And I just laugh even harder. And he's like, I thought your foot got caught in the pedal. I thought we were going to die. I hit the tree. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, but no, traveling with him, man, was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, he's a good so, cat. So speaking of practice, you're talking about you know, your practice for WrestleMania. Has, you know, one of the biggest stories in wrestling history was the Montreal uh, screw job. Have you ever uh-huh. seen personally a situation where you were involved where someone went off a script and didn't follow what the script said? Um, not really. I mean, a lot of times you just go out there and, you know, you kind of, you know, A, B, and C, and then fill in the blanks and stuff like that. Um, but there, um, it's funny because I, I work a lot of independent shows and, and that was one of the reasons why I didn't resign with WWE. They offered me more than double. And um, the thing with WWE, they have a lot of people under contract. They have, um, I know at, when I was there over 215 people under contract. So that, that's a lot of people under contract. That's NXT, Raw and SmackDown. And you have to rotate the talent, you know, um, which is only fair. And I love being on the road. So, um, you know, so I figured I, I would go work with Impact, which I was blessed to have the opportunity to do that. And then I can do independent shows. One, because you see a lot of younger talent. You can help discover younger talent, help them. And uh, I like the gimmick table, interacting with the fans. Um, 
you know, so uh, I do a lot of independent shows and I, I forget your, 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 your initial question. Has anyone ever gone off a script and, and, and oh, yeah, yeah. that's my bad. I get on these, you know, talking, <laughs> um, but uh, sometimes I forget the question, but um, no. So I was doing, it's funny. Um, not a lot of people go off, you know, but you know, we kind of just, so talking about the Montreal screw job, I work with this, uh, the Scarboni brothers in Michigan, they're an Italian group and Josh, it was funny because we worked in a tent in February, like one of the coldest winters. This is like four years ago. Right. And if I didn't love wrestling, I would have quit the Indies right then and there. So it was in a tent and they had some heat. It was like the winter brawl or whatever. So he rolled me up or something. So to this day, him and I call it the Algonac screw job because it was an Algonac <laughs> Michigan. So, but I just figured I had to share that with you guys. But no, nothing, nothing like that. And and speaking of the Montreal screw job, I think, you know, I understand both parts. You know, I understand Brett's part and I understand um, Vince's part, you know, um, you know, as a business owner, um, you know, you have to, especially when you're trailing in the ratings, you have to really, you know, worry about your, your business and, you know, the future of your business, you, and you owe it to your, uh, your, your fans, you know, so. But no, I haven't had any big, you know, screw jobs. I did have this guy that shouldn't have been in the ring and, uh, you know, I never take liberties on anybody, but I had to settle them down. So, but anyways. <laughs> wow. Okay. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of scripts, you know, um, like I warned you three times and, and then I, I literally felt so bad. I go, I go, you should have no right being in the ring. And I don't, I don't dog shit anybody, you know, but this guy was so dangerous. And oh, you know wow. what? I like, Afterwards, you know, I, I told him, I, you know, and I explained to him, you know, that it's not about, you know, one, it's about protecting, you know, the people you're working with, you know, accidents do happen, you know, it's unfortunate, yeah. you know, really gotten hurt from, you know, being paralyzed to even deaths in the ring, um, you know, and it's very unfortunate. And those are from people that are very well trained. And I tell kids, don't wrestle in your, your backyards. Don't wrestle at home. You know, don't wrestle with your brothers or sisters, you know, um, you know, because you can get hurt. But, um, you know, I told them, I go, you're, you're not going to hurt yourself. You know, um, you're going to hurt others. And, and it's it, it, you become dangerous out there. And, you know, and you don't want that. And I, I told the promoter, I'm like, you know, it's a liability. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, I mean, if a guy, if a guy sells 70 tickets for you, you put them in the ring and then he hurts someone or you, or he hurts himself and then you get sued, it's going to cost you a lot more than 70 tickets, you know, and plus fans can see through that, which you're going to, it's going to be harder for you to sell tickets because you're given a shit product, you know, yeah. and you can't, no matter what business you're in, you give a bad product, you're not going to make money and stay in business sure. for a long time, so. That's right. That's right. Definitely. Um, as far as scripts is concerned, I, I definitely want to ask you this. What would you say to those that say that wrestling's not a real sport? I can understand why they say that, you know, um, and because you have entertainment and, you know, um, according to the wrestling commission, 
in certain states, it's a real sport. So <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say to those people, go ask the wrestling commission because they, they definitely take a, a, a chunk out of the pay, you know, so, and that all trickles down to less pay for us. So, um, you know, the wrestling and boxing commission, you know, they, in, in certain states, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll definitely tell you it's real. And that's why the commission is, is important. So, um, you know, I, I, I understand why they say it, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, as a, as a, a wrestler, you know, you're competing on different levels, you know, and, and, you know, in sports, you compete for that victory, you know, and how do you gain victories, you know, scoring more runs, um, having more points on the board, whether it's touchdowns or extra points or whatever. Um, you know, so with wrestling, you're competing in a lot, uh, in different ways. You're competing to be a, a better athlete. You're, you're competing to be a better entertainer, you know, like a John Cena. Um, you're competing to be a better businessman behind the scenes because if you're a real asshole, nobody's going to want to deal with you, you sure. know. And even it's unfortunate with athletes, sometimes, um, you know, um, if, if you're, you know, it's good to be loud because you draw attention. But then if you're too loud, then it's like you turn people away or, you know, it's unfortunate because I see a lot of people with a lot of talents and this is going in the business world too. You know, if you're just not fun to work with, eventually you're going to burn all the bridges, you know, and uh, especially in today's society with everything being filmed and stuff like that and put out there, you, you really have to watch how you conduct yourself, you know. So it could be the end of your career, you know, and, and in uh, baseball and, and football and basketball and other sports, um, you know, there's a lot of different avenues, um, you know, in wrestling, there's really one or two promotions where you can, or three promotions where you can make a living, you know, and uh, so there's not a lot of places you can go. Hollywood, there's different film studios and stuff. So, um, you know, and if, if you act like a diva, you know, um, people are going to, not want to deal with you, you know, so, and it's very unfortunate because I've seen a lot of people that could have um, extended their careers in wrestling, but they, they weren't professional behind the scenes. So you can compete in a lot of different ways. So, and, and like getting put over and, and matches and stuff like that and, and titles, it's a reward, you know, of, of your hard work and dedication. So. Okay. Well, kind of going back to the whole, um, you know, switching companies like you talked about with Bret, uh, Bret Hart. Um, when you burn the championship belt live on TNA, was that a personal <laughs> message to uh, Vince McMahon or was that just creative uh, marketing? No, that was just, uh, and, and see, here's the thing. Vince knows that, uh, um, Vince knows that uh, um, it was nothing personal. It's just, you know, you, you're out there doing business and it was part of an angle. You know, because everybody loves that guy that says, um, you know, F you to the man, you know, I'm better than that. And especially then, um, you know, um, that's why I, I would never try to say, um, you know, like, hey, you're the worst, uh, you're the worst company, you know, no matter who it is, who, you know, like, right. um, I, I don't believe that's good for business, you know, like, oh, um, uh this company is bad because now I'm working for that company or that company, 
it's like, yeah, I could have done better. You kept me in chains. You know, my hands were tied type deal. I couldn't uh, be the champion that the fans and I know I can, you know, that that's a little different, you know? Um, and a lot of wrestling fans think that a lot of talent is being held back, you know, and that happens in a lot of sports and a lot of businesses. Sometimes people aren't able to um, reach their full potential. And, and one thing Vince is good about is if you think you can uh, climb higher and if WWE is not the place to be, you know, go, you know, we'll definitely give you a second opportunity, you know, because, and, and it's true. Sometimes you're not just hitting your stride there, you know, or you're not hitting your stride with ring of honor or impact or AEW, and you go there and you hit a bigger stride or vice versa. You go from uh, WWE to an impact and, you know, and, and gain uh, and hit your stride. Um, you know, because the thing is, is if there's the next rock out there, you know, not only does the wrestling fans want to, you know, meet them, you know, the, the, the promoters want to meet them too, because they want to make money. You know? <laughs> so, so, but no, um, getting back to that, there was no, um, you know, in movies, how they, uh, they say there was no animals harmed in the filming of this movie. There was no title harmed in the filming of that. Uh, That's what I'm that, going to ask you because rumor has it, the legend has it that you burned a replica and that you actually kept the original and didn't want to give it back. Is, is there any truth to that? No, I, no belt was burned. Go back and watch <laughs> that. And that wasn't, um, that was the X Division title that was in that bag. Okay. Yeah. Because if you remember, it was in the, the sack. Yeah. I had the ECW heavyweight title, which, um, um, Conrad has the he collects he does the show yeah Conrad has the ECW title so okay. yeah yeah and and it was you know and he can display it and all that but he can't put it on any TV or episode or anything I'll be honest with you it sat in my cellar for ever since you know um, for over ten years I never displayed it or anything and I I kept you know good care of it and, you know but anyways yeah so. Whenever I want it back, you know, we just talk about it, and that's that. So. Well, that's, yeah, that's cool. I, I never, I never display anything, you know, and something like that should be displayed. So I, I just, I never really, um, I collect bobbleheads, but other than that, and I display them. So, oh, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, let's see one. Let's see one. Okay. okay. Do, do we, do we have a Rhino bob bobblehead? No, I, I wish that would now, seriously, that would be a good accomplishment for me. But well, we're going to try to work on that. We're going to try to work on that. <laughs> you know who this is? All right. Dimitri Young. Dimitri Young. Yep. Yeah. And he signed it for me too. Oh, I actually wow. have a game morning Tigers jersey from Dimitri. He's a buddy of mine. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, I do have, uh, he was never a president. But it was a statesman, Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, catchable hat. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm a bit of a history guy. So I live in Monroe, Michigan. So I had to get James Monroe. Uh, you really are. You really keep, uh, you collect these things for real. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm a huge Nikola Tesla fan. Yeah, the Tesla coil. Wow. Yeah. 
That's amazing. You, you have a championship belt in the cellar, and you have a big <laughs> Oh, they're right by the window. Yeah, looking over the while well, they're looking at me as I look at the over the marina. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, let, let me ask you this because we talked about it being a sport. So here's my thing. We know Brock Lesnar and CM Punk tried to make that transition to the UFC and MMA. Have you ever thought about making that transition at any point in your career? I'm ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know, I wrestled back in high school and stuff. And it's funny because, you know, I'll get into conversations. And I, I, I know before I, I told you I don't like talking publicly religion or or uh, politics. Um, I'm a religious person, and I think I was blessed with a gift, and that gift is to go out there and do a certain thing, which uh, I'm able to help other people out. Um, you know, UFC. I, I I went. I I I wrestled in high school, and I did I did good. Um, I never went to college. You know, people will say, "Oh, what college did you go to?" And it's like, well, they, I I looked at U of M, and they didn't offer pro wrestling class. So, <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so that's something I wanted to do, you know. And um, you know, like school is for some, and school isn't for others. You know, um, I, I really enjoyed wrestling. You know, uh, they call it amateur style when you know when you wrestle pro. Um, you know, and I, I wrestled a little bit after high school in tournaments and stuff, and I did really, really well. Um, but it was affecting my professional, you know. And, you know, I'm a guy that's for the whole medical marijuana and all that stuff. But as a kid, um, while well, it was the 90s, you know, I, I shouldn't say a kid as a young adult, um, you know, I, I partaked in a little bit like it seemed like everybody else. But I, I realized that was slowing me up from reaching my full potential, and my full gift. So I quit that. Um, and uh and I hadn't touched it since, although I believe there's a lot of good medical reasons for it, you know, yeah. so I'm not against it. Um, it just wasn't for me. Um, I haven't drank in over 10 years because it's wow, not. Congratulations. Good. Thank you. Um, there was a period in my life where I drank a lot for three years. So it's funny. I always joke around. I say the doctors say one beer a day is good for you. So I figured I could just condense it all into two <laughs> years. So I'm good till about 156. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, so there you have it. I figured, okay, we'll get it all done at once. I don't think that's what the doctors had in mind, but a beer a day. <laughs> you know? But anyways, um, you know, so so there's a lot of sacrifices we all make, whether we're a parent, you know, for our, our jobs, a business, a career, you know. So, um, yeah. So I just um, I am who I am, and you know. So, so what is the uh, the worst injury that you have ever sustained and had to wrestle through? Oh, a um, couple times I think. Well, I had uh, neck surgery. I had a cervical fusion. I don't know if you can see the scar there. They took bone from my hip and put it in place of uh, um, my C6, C7 disc. Um, everything's good, knock on wood. That was in 2001, November 2nd. Um, and I was off for about 15 months. 
but uh, a couple times when I was in there, I, I dinged up my neck and I, I would get a stinger, you know, and it's just like your whole, you know, your chest and arms, you know, just on fire, like pins and needles, like they're on sleep, but a lot worse. And then eventually it'd come back. But, um, and then there was, uh, um, uh, there was weakening in my left side, you know, because of the nerve being pinched. So it was just the last month and a half, you know, before I had to go have surgery and I was with WWE, so they took care of everything. And Vince came over to me and he, when we found out I needed surgery, it was at a show earlier that day, I went and had an MRI and x-ray and, and he said, Hey, I recommend Austin's doctor, um, Dr. Youngblood down in San Antonio, Texas. He goes, but if you want to go to someplace in Detroit where you're more comfortable, you know, um, you know, we'll take care of all of it. Don't worry about your spot. You know, after a year, a year will go by quick and, you know, and then uh, we'll get you back on the road working and this and that. So it was really cool, you know, because, um, you know, when you, you find out you have to have something like that done, it's going to take a long time, you know, before you get back. And, you know, and that was what, almost 20 years ago. So, wow. but yeah, that, wow. other than that, the, the last match, it was really tough. I was working with her. And uh, like, it was hard to, you know, push myself up off the mat, you know, and you knew something was wrong, you know, so, but I think it was on a, a raw, I lost the, the uh, US title to him. So, but if you go back and watch that match, there's one time I'm getting in the ring and I'm trying to push up and oh, and the pain was so bad, like for about a month and a half, and it just kept on getting worse and worse. I can only drive like with my arm behind me and stuff. Wow. Yeah, it was terrible. yeah. Oh, it was so painful. And I never took any painkillers, you know, until after the next surgery. Yeah, I can <laughs> so imagine. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, I understand why people like those, but I haven't touched the pain medicine uh, since 03. Yeah. Wow. Man, that's awesome. Okay, so one thing that we do all the time when we have a special guest on here, we do an exclusive interview, we like to ask some Mount Rushmore. So you're a wrestler. We have all, we, you know, we're all fans. We have our opinions. But Mount Rushmore of wrestling, you tell us. The four people that need to be up there. Uh, me, I know it's myself, hard. and I. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, this handsome devil in Monroe, Michigan, named Terrence Garrett, him too. <laughs> We're great people. Hey, speaking of me, myself, and I, um, you guys ever watch me, myself, and Irene with yes. Jim Carrey? With Jim Carrey. My, <laughs> my buddy just watched it the other day, and we we're on the road. We we did went to at open up a wrestling school, and we'll help someone, and and. Uh, um, you know, like promote it and stuff and, and did some signings. And we we're talking about that movie on the way out there. And yeah, I've got to watch that because it, it's funny as hell. <laughs> um, my Mount Rushmore, I, I'm, I'm probably going to go back to my childhood. Um, it would definitely have to be Honky Talk Man 1 because okay. I love Elvis. So it would probably be Hulk Hogan, Honky Tonk Man, um, Ultimate Warrior, and Andre the Giant, yeah. That's a good four. That's yeah. a really good four. Well, Macho Man, too. Oh, uh, there's room for more. <laughs> but I, if, you could, um, if you could only say one's the greatest of all time, who would you say? What's that? 
if you could only name one as the greatest of all time, who would you say? I think Piper, you know, just because uh, um, he would be on the Mount Rushmore. One, I got to know him, you know, and uh, um, he was a really, really, really good dude. And they say some of the nicest people are the biggest heels, but like, I'll, I'll go back and walk. one time we sat down for breakfast and we were up in Newfoundland and it was cool. Cause we we're on like the same loop. We went down to Aruba. Kevin Nash had some shows down in Aruba that were great. It was like a vacation. Okay. And my buddy in Toledo, um, he was down there. He's real good friends with uh, Nash and, and uh, he's a good worker and stuff. And he was a huge rowdy Piper Mark when he was a kid. And, uh, Piper and his son were down there and uh, they were in the water, right? So we go swimming or we're in the water and then they came swimming. We're on the beach and uh, we're just shooting. We're just talking for about a good, maybe half hour, you know? And it, it was so, so nice, relaxed. Like I said, it was like a mini vacation. And I know my buddy is a huge Piper Mark, and he had talked to him. He got to know him that weekend, right? Um, and uh, as Piper and his son's walking out, they were going to the gym in a little bit. And I look over at my buddy and I go, if you were told as a little kid, you'd be down in Aruba swimming with Piper. <laughs> <laughs> what would you have said? He goes, first, I wouldn't believe it. I'd call you a liar. And then I might even punch you in the face. Oh, wow. <laughs> And, and this was in 2012, right? So, and, you know, it's it's moments like that, you know, you kind of pinch yourself because, you know, growing up. And then it was, uh, and then right from there, we went to Newfoundland to join a tour on progress, or, uh, um, in progress. And the last night, Piper whipped me with his belt, right? Because I was a heel. And he came in the ring and made a save. And, uh, like, as he's whipping me with the belt, I'm thinking to myself, this is awesome. <laughs> um, and it was that loop where I just, you know, ran into him at the hotel, him and his son, and because uh, his son would do the MMA and was thinking about making the transition. Um, so uh, he goes, don't worry, I'll get it. I'm like, you sure? And he goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, no, it's on me. And I thought to myself, Piper's picking up my breakfast. You know, like, does life get any better than this, right? So, and then uh, what was really cool is my, when I was with NXT in 2015, they had me go out to WrestleMania for the match, you know, the NXT. I worked with Baron Corbin the night before. And they had us all in uh, suites, right? And they had me in the suite because they didn't have a big room. And uh, this was out in California. And they had me in the suite with Piper, some of his family members, his son wasn't there. And this was after the Aruba thing. And uh, uh, a few years after, but uh, you know, by then we knew each other, you know, and we worked with each other in 2003 in WWE. So I got to know him a little bit there, but um, anyways, uh, yeah. So I, I'm thinking to myself, cause I'm watching WrestleMania and like here, Piper was in the very first WrestleMania and he had to get changed up there because they had him do a thing with, um, I forget who it is, who it was, but they did a thing where like a flare standing there and, and Piper and a, a couple other people. So they, I think they did it live or they filmed it and aired it. But uh, I think it was after someone won the title 
and then he came back up and stuff and i'm like this is really cool you know it's like here i'm in the same suite as piper you know it's like all the planets are aligning and you know and it was it was really cool you know so but yeah that's all that's awesome uh talking to a younger self you like you mentioned earlier if you had a chance to go back and talk to your 20 year old self what would what advice would you give your 20 year old self don't stop smoking weed man (laughs) 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 been a dry existence ever terrible pain painful no um um Oh, that's actually a good question. Um, I don't want to say learn patience. Um, Don't run into an argument or a fight with your gun blazing, you know? Um, You know, because, you know, like I had mentioned my ex-wife, you know, and and, and, uh, her and I get along really good. We have a daughter together. And um, she's from Germany, but I, I, I think in relationships, we're, we're too quick to hurt the people we love the most verbally, you know, and I wasn't verbally abusive, but I didn't understand like some of the stuff she was saying, like, for example, you know, she's from Germany and she'd miss her mom and she'd miss her dad and, you know, she'd miss her friends and stuff. And, you know, and we, we were together when we didn't have any money living in the trailer and all that stuff. And then, you know, we bought a house when I started working with WWE and it was a nice bungalow, 1600 square feet, nothing great, nothing fancy. And I just, what I heard was your good isn't good enough, you know? Mm. So the, I think, you know, learn communications a lot earlier in life, learn patience and um, just really try to listen to what the other person is saying other than just hearing them you know so that's the best advice i can give to anybody because you know we can't walk a mile in you know each other's shoes you know we can listen and try to figure out you know where you know how they're wearing their shoes and what they're going through you know and especially in life and a lot of the stuff that's going on you know we're quick to judge we're quick to argue we're quick to you know point out flaws or whatever you know, but it's really, you got to listen to the other person and you got to really, really don't hear what they're saying. Listen to what they're saying. And then you got to, um, you got to try to, um, understand them, you know, cause I like having conversations with people that are different, you know, or have different views, I should say, yes. because I learn sometimes when you don't, you know, and it's easy, but both sides have to understand it's easy to, you know, and that's what we are as humans. We're quick to judge, you know, and it, and a lot of times it's not, it's just, it's just easier to judge quickly opposed to just taking a step back and really approaching it in a calm manner, you know, and I, I tell people, you know, we're different and that's a great thing, you know, because right. if we just agreed and followed, then life, and, and if everything was peachy, life would really suck. You know, yeah. because there's no obstacles, there's no challenge, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's the thing, you know, sometimes we don't have any challenges, set challenges for ourselves, and that's how we become better. But the best thing to do is I would say just don't hear someone, listen to someone, you know, 
And that's the best thing. And, and I don't really get in depth with my ex-wife about conversation with that because she's remarried to a great guy. He's a, a great stepdad to my uh, daughter. They've got two kids together. I don't, his name's Olaf. If that's not a German name, I don't know what it is. Right? <laughs> I'll tell you a quick story about Olaf, right? So the first time I meet him, right? This was years ago. And, uh, um, you know, he comes in and he shakes hands. And he's the business guy, right? You know how the firm handshake is a uh-huh. business guy, right? You know, but it was overly firm. I didn't know if it was the, hey, I'm the new sheriff in town or what, right? You know, <laughs> we were divorced for a couple of years. You know, and there was no, you know, um, once we, you know, she went back, it was one of those. It's not that she didn't like the U.S. She just missed her friends and family. Mm-hmm. And by what I would have told myself, I would have said we could have sold the house, got a little place here and a little place there. And she could have went back and forth, you know. But, you know, me is like, oh, your good isn't my good isn't good enough. How dare you? You know, that was my mm-hmm. attitude. So it wasn't, you know, so that's what I was getting back. So. Anyway, so I have an open door. I can go and see my daughter and all that stuff. And and, uh, so anyways, Olaf shakes my hand really stiff, right? So, um, you know, my mother-in-law, I'd stay at uh, my mother-in-law and uh, father-in-law's house. I'd call them the outlaws because they're no no longer in-laws, right? They're outlaws. So anyways, so I'd have my daughter over there and it's cool because I'd go to the gym and, you know, and they'd watch my daughter and spend a lot of time. So anyways, uh, so Olaf comes over and gives me a stiff handshake and nice to meet you, this and that. So the whole time I'm thinking, how can I get back at this dude, right? You know? So <laughs> anyway, so we're all making little chit-chat, right? So so I think they came over to drop my daughter off. And my ex-wife is a great mother. I mean, the best mom in the world. So anyways, they're bouncing, right? So as he goes to leave, he goes to shake my hand because I can't do the, oh, stronger handshake than you. So I just looked at his hand. I didn't extend mine out. I pushed it down. I go, friends don't shake hands. Friends hug. Oh, and I hugged him. <laughs> he did not know what hit him. And my ex-wife starts laughing. And, uh, and then, because here you have a 300-pound, well, 290-pound man holding you. It didn't just become a hug. It became me embracing him and holding him, right? So I go, I go to my ex-wife, I go, not only does he look good, he smells good too. So his world is all messed up. <laughs> so so he, you know, here's the kicker, right? Because he's got a personality after that. How could you not have a personality, right? You know, when you're around me. So so he realized the whole personality and all that, and you know, and uh so from that moment on, that's all we do. We hug when we say goodbye. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah, because they have a house, um, you know, not too far from uh, her parents' house. And uh, uh, one time I dropped my daughter off, and this was about a, a couple of years later, right? Maybe three years later. And uh, I go, all right, see you later, Olaf. And I go to shake his hand, and he literally bats it down and gives me a hug. <laughs> and I just wow. start laughing. <laughs> so but no as far as giving advice you know and, and this is the advice i give to a lot of people just you know don't don't take things you know don't rush into arguments you know and just you know listen don't hear listen so man i definitely applaud you man for all what you just said man that 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 really at home for me i can just tell you just as far as having conversations with people that 
you don't always necessarily agree with and the differences. I love the answer. I really do. And I appreciate it. Um, yeah. I want I want to tag you. I mean, you've told us a lot, but tell the people something that they don't know about Rhino. Something that, you know, we, we don't really know as a public. Something that, you know, you would want us to know. Um, life can be hard at times, you know, no matter who you are. Um, you know, obviously in my life, I, I, I really haven't, um, I really haven't talked about this publicly, but I did go through a drinking problem. Um, I don't see myself as an alcoholic. Um, I don't know if I am or if I'm not. It was a situation in my life. And I, I just, like I said, um, I just gave up on it. You know, um, I, I don't talk about, I, I talk about it individually to people. Um, and one day, you know, um, and I'm pretty religious, um, but one day I, when I, I feel the moment to, to make it more public, I will. And I don't mind if people come up to me. Um, alcohol can be a, a very a destroying thing. Um, and it all depends on the person. And, you know, there's times where, um, you know, I just let it get a hold of me when I was going through a tough time. And if I didn't stop, obviously I'd be dead by now. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where, like, if you tell yourself you can't have chocolate cake ever again, even if you don't want chocolate cake, you're going to want chocolate cake. That's right. That's right. Everybody was telling me, like, oh, you got to quit drinking. You can never drink again. You know, and even if I didn't want to drink, it kind of want to make me drink. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, and then I would think, well, if I give up drinking, I'm never going to be able to drink again. So you're adding a lot of pressure. So when I decided and I was serious about being done with it, I just told myself, I'll drink again, whether it's a beer, whether it's a mixed drink, but I kind of tricked myself. I have no desire to, but it's kind of like telling yourself you can't have ice cream or chocolate cake. You're going to want it even if you don't That's want right. it. You know? So I kind of, I have no ambitions to drink. Um, it was the best thing I ever did. I became better, um, you know, um, a better person all around, you know, but anyways, um, yeah. So other than drinking like a demon for three years, <laughs> I mean, you know, so, but yeah, that other than that, and, uh, you know, I'm passionate about history. So there's two things, you know, but That's a lot awesome. of people, yeah, yeah. So, but my, my thing is, is if anybody, um, you can do it, you know, whatever it is in life and never say, um, I'll never drink like that because I would, I, I said it before. Thank God I was never a big drinker before, um, you know, I, I started drinking that um, and never say, oh, I'll never do heroin or I'll never, you know, do this drug or that drug because believe it or not, you know, things like that can creep up on you. So always be aware of the, the raw power of addiction because it can hit anybody. Um, and if you are, um, there's always help out there. So, and don't, and don't give up on, on hope, you know, so. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. Well, um, we always like to end our shows on, we have this game that we play. It's called one word. We give okay. you a, a phrase or a name or, or something, and you have to answer with only one word. All mm -hmm. right. So. <laughs> all right. We're ending it like this on a good, happy note. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I can play this game good. <laughs> All right. Well, the first word, we're going to make it pretty easy. It's, it's one, of, you know, one of the guys on Impact Wrestling, um, RVD. Cool. Okay. okay. Wrestling. Awesome. Um, Shane McMahon. Nice. Vince uh, McMahon. Really quick, even though uh, <laughs> Kevin Nash hit it right on the head. He goes, he's the coolest rich person you'll ever meet. <laughs> We're, this was um, in Orlando. We're hanging out at the pool, and he, you know, when he came back as the commissioner of uh, um, uh, of SmackDown and stuff, he's just out hanging out by the pool, like one of the dudes, just like, "Hey guys, what's going on?" It's like, "Hey Shane, how are you?" Like, just chilling. Like, I don't know if his family was was uh, there or whatever. Yeah, he's really the coolest dude you could ever. Like, even Stephanie, they're very approachable. Uh, Triple H, yeah, just. Yeah, really, really cool dude. Yeah, so that's awesome. What about okay? So Vince McMahon, awesome. He's a legend, man. <laughs> I'm legend. Yeah, he just turned seventy five. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, he's seventy five and I'm forty four, and I've never looked as good as him at his age. <laughs> I heard he's a bit of a prankster, though. My buddy Vic Joseph, he goes. Uh, um, you know, like the meetings, if they got Pharrell, and this was before the whole COVID thing, but like if you go, hey, can I get some of that? He'll like squirt a bunch in your hand and he'll just start laughing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, Eric Bischoff. Man, you guys are, you guys are handcuffing me, man. <laughs> One word. Come on, man. Um, uh, I'll tell you a quick story about Eric Bischoff. Um, we we're going over to uh, Eric Bischoff, very smart. Um, but here's Eric Bischoff. We we're going over to, this was in 04, I think. We we're going over to Hawaii doing a show, then over to Japan, right? They were combining, I think, SmackDown and, and Raw to do like a super tour. So when we landed in Hawaii, um, you know, they weren't going to, we we're going to just chill. We had a lot of time, but so they go, well, why don't you, like, Eric and Jericho spoke up and said, can you at least get us a hotel room? Because whenever we go overseas, the office would pick up a hotel room, right? And it would come off the gate. But anyways, they go, at least room us together, right? So they rented a Delta plane because a lot of times they would just do a charter back then. So they rented a, a Delta plane for a charter, and there was only so many first-class seats. So that whole trip, they put Eric, they put myself next to Eric Bischoff, right? And uh, we always got along, but I would joke with Eric Bischoff. I'm like, I'm your punishment, right? <laughs> so we actually, they put us in the same room together, right? I got the room list in, uh, in Hawaii, right? So I looked at, uh, I, I uh, told the guys that once we open the room, I'm going to run in and jump on a bed and say, mine, like <laughs> But I'll tell you that when I roomed with Eric, you didn't get much sleep. It was just a, you know, stretch out, shower if you wanted to, whatever. But uh, I picked his brain about the whole NWO and just sat there and, 
you know, we watch TV and stuff. And I mean, I learned so much just in such a small amount of time. And just, it was really cool. You know, you hear them do interviews and, and you know, his books and stuff like that, but just to, just to hear it right out of, right out of his mouth and, you know, right. just so much to learn, man. And I wasn't going to waste that opportunity. The, the flights over there, um, because they, they put us together, you know, like they assigned people to the first class seats and then the, the rest of the plane. I think it was better to sit in the back because you'd have rows to yourself, right? But anyways, uh, yeah, they put him and I together the whole trip. Yeah. So I just picked his brain the whole, you know, the whole route. I don't, I don't blame you. I would have done the same thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, we have like three more. I have three more words. WrestleMania. The grandest stage of all. I know that's more than one word. I'm really sucking at this game. <laughs> Jay? Uh, how about David Arquette, world champion? Maybe now, but back then. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, I'll, I'll just use early. Um, David Arquette really, um, my hat goes off to him because one, he looks great. Two, you know, he's not doing it for money. Um, he's doing it for love, you know, and I know a couple people, I've never met him, um, but I know a couple people that do. And I follow some of his uh, stuff and uh, he works hard, you know, and, and you can't take that away from him. You know, he works hard, he goes out there and, and he gives to the business. Back then, there was a lot of heat because it was a different situation, and it was just, it seemed like he was throwing into it. You know, he's working his, you know, butt off, and I see some of the bumps he takes, and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, don't make us look bad, Dave. <laughs> was, there, was there a lot of jealousy of people who, you know, give their whole life to this craft, and, you know, he comes in as an actor and wins a world championship? I don't think jealousy. Um, I think it was more of um, it wasn't the right direction, you know, as, as for sports and all that. And I understand why, you know. Um, I think now, if they put the title on it, like kind of um, well deserved, you know, because he is he is a wrestler now. Back then, it seemed like it was just an actor, you know. Yeah. And even though they put the title on him the most creative way possible without trying to make wrestling look bad which was understandable but i think they were just shotgunning stuff too much you know so but like i said now it's just like he's been putting in a lot of time over the last several years and you know he does it for the love of it i didn't know he loved wrestling as much as he does you know so but yeah he's just really well deserving of any success he gets in wrestling definitely definitely michigan i would, I would still rip them in half of the <laughs> <laughs> okay okay michigan that's if you don't beat me up first <laughs> <laughs> so so back to the one word michigan what does that mean one word say that again michigan love all right my last one the next big wrestling star oh that's a tough one. I think uh, there's so many, man. Um, 
But you know, uh, from a global standpoint, the next superstar, you know, like a, a John Cena, a Rock, a, a Stone Cold, somebody who you see could become a global icon. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, there's so many. How about I pick one from each, uh, like, age? Let's do it. Um, Britt Baker, she's, she's, uh, she's like, she's always impressive. Um, impact the moose is just so impressive. Um, WWE Adam Cole is very impressive. Um, tell you a quick story about Adam Cole. We were in Ring of Honor, and this was when WrestleMania was out there in uh, New York. And this is probably about four or five years, about, about five, six years ago, maybe. And Matt Hardy and myself were teaming up against, we we're at the Hammerstein Ballroom where they started Raw up above the Hammerstein Ballroom. And uh, anyways, um, uh, you know what building I'm talking about, right? Where Raw first started? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So anyways, um, I never, because ECW would run the ballroom, which was street level. And then above that is where the, the and I never knew that, right? And I'm looking around when I first went in there and I'm like, this doesn't look like the place WWE Raw was. <laughs> No, it's above that. I'm like, above that? There's actually, like, room above? You mean the attic? You know? So, <laughs> so then we we ran that a few times with the Impact and Ring of Honor and stuff. So we were in there, and for some reason, they were too close to, like, um, Matt or something. And I, I tried to draw him away, and he was going to arm drag me. So he thought the arm drag was coming, you know, or he thought I was coming in for the arm drag. And I kind of like half went and I'm like, oh, and then like, so I went and then it looked like how, so I rolled out and then I let the fans just jaw it up and it was, it was being taped. So I go right back around and I told the ref, I go, tell him when I get in the ring and you see me running at him, just tell him to arm drag me and just, you know, go through whatever moves. Right. So anyways, so I get in the ring. And I count down like three, you know, and I'm jawing at the crowd. So the crowd really don't know what I'm doing. So I'm jawing at the crowd and I get in the ring and then I look at him and I run at him and then he arm drags me, all that stuff. I get back and Hunter, delirious, he goes, oh, that was great. So what I did was I give him an edit point. So, uh -huh. so they could just... <laughs> and then in, in uh, Impact Wrestling one time, years before I was cutting a promo on AJ, and I'm looking at the camera and I'm walking and I start stumbling on my words and I'm stumbling on my words and there's no saving the promo. So I'm like, ah, crap. I stopped. I looked at the people. I go, take two. And they popped, right? And they started chanting wow. my name. So as you're doing that, I'm literally walking backwards, thinking of the break in the sentence. I'm kind of playing to the crowd, you know? And then because it was taped, I stopped. And then I start, I, I give it a pause, right? You know, an edit point. And then I, I look at them and I go, as I was saying, so they pop more, right? And then, uh -huh. and then they quiet down and I count. And then, so they're reacting. So then I start the promo and then, you know, and then it worked out smooth, right? So I didn't start from the beginning of the promo, just a break and, you know, and when I started a new sentence. So I get back and Road Dog and Jared, they're like, oh, that was great, this and that. And I thought to myself, I get more, I, I'm praised more when I screw up and give them an edit point 
<laughs> then when I go out there and have a, you know, a three, four star match, right? <laughs> so, but anyways, yeah. So, um, I think in WWE, yeah. So Adam Cole. So. Definitely. Yeah. Last one for me, family. Family, important. Okay. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, that's it for that oh, game. I I thought you were going to say my name. I was going to say. Because, <laughs> hey, when, when you think of Rhino, you just think of sex appeal, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, currently in Impact Wrestling, uh, you have a an angle or a feud um, with uh, Burino Scum. I don't mean yeah. to put you on the spot or anything, but. Would you mind in your best Reno voice? Do you have any kind of message for Reno Scum? Yeah, lighten up. It's a work. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm in the MMA or, you know, I feel like I went 10 rounds of Shamrock. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not, getting, I'm not getting soft in my age. I'm just, you know, come on, work with me a little bit, you know. After getting beat beat up all these years, I want to kind of coast through, you know. Yes, yeah. <laughs> no, he Slater's got my back. If he ever gets in the building, you guys are uh, you guys are doomed. <laughs> so, awesome. Awesome. what do you have? Uh, you have any shout outs or anything you'd like to promote uh, yourself? Uh, on the show uh no i just i gotta get on social media a little bit more but yeah i, I have an instagram page i, I don't really know what it is but that's packed up i need to create a fan thing so but um i do have a terry and gary's low expectation podcast that i do on zoom with my buddy gary He's uh he lives here in Monroe and he's really you know good with the community. He does the Monroe Pop Fest, um, which is like the Comic Con. So, um yeah, he, this year was canceled, but um he's built it up every year and he brings in a lot of talented people. So for signings and a lot of cool things. So Comic Cons are really cool. So awesome. awesome. Where, where can you where can you find the uh the podcast? Uh, is it on Facebook or you say it's on Zoom? But what uh, uh, platform? Facebook, um, yeah, Facebook and uh, a lot of other avenues. He's he's better at that. <laughs> I just I, I I I have a little marina in Monroe, Michigan. It's called Big Daddy's Boatyard, and they're putting in uh, the, the keypad, you know, for the gates and stuff. And and I'm I'm gonna have a tough time remembering those numbers. So you guys are asking me a lot of things. To remember. <laughs> It's a four-digit number. I like messing with some of the, the the people that keep their boats here. You know, like I text them, like, "Hey, we got a, a a keypad, you know, to get in and all that stuff." And here's the code. And you know, I'm gonna one morning I'm gonna wake up and just give them like a ten-digit ten-digit code, saying we had to switch it to ten digits. I'll look at it going like, "I'm supposed to remember this." <laughs> So, but yeah, it's funny because I'll, I'll have, you know, yesterday I was out there working all day on putting in some new dock posts. I had a, a guy who took out a dock post, which is always fun, you know, and then my buddy he was helping me drop the sledgehammer in the, uh, the water. So we had to go diving for that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
People always yeah. wonder, they're like, aren't you worried about the coronavirus? I go, I swam in Lake Erie. I'm immune to percent of stuff out there. Back when That's I was a kid in the 80s, we could walk to Canada. That's how polluted Lake Erie was. Wow. wow. <laughs> you know, here's a funny story, right? So I was reading in the paper, this was like in 1969, um, a river in Cleveland. You know, the, the Lake Erie feeds it right there, you know. And uh, it was Lake Erie and the mouth of this river caught on fire. Literally, water caught on fire. And that's when they decided, hey, maybe we should stop polluting. You know, like, that's a good stuff, you know? <laughs> when water catches on fire, but here's the kicker. That was the third time it caught fire. Yeah. So... <laughs> Hey, wow. you know, so I remember when we were kids, um, you know, once you get out to the, the lake a little bit, but until you got out in the lake, you know, the wake of the boat, it would have a reddish tint. And uh, but, you know, the, the Clean Water Act, I think in 75 or 74, um, maybe 72, it started the ball rolling because um, back then a lot of people for for decades, they just thought, just throw it in the water it goes someplace and then you know and unfortunately that was the mentality back then but yeah the lake is a lot cleaner now and it's you know so it's good to go well, that's definitely good to hear yeah. that's definitely good to hear. Goes, uh, you want me to dive in there and get that i go yeah <laughs> I'm not <laughs> <in here. laughs> well, well, man, I just want you, I want you to know I learned a lot about you today. I truly appreciate you coming on. I really think you should write a book. I really do. You have a lot of knowledge, a lot of things that you've been through. Um, and I know you're still living, so I think you should write a book, man. But I do appreciate you coming on. I, I would write a book if I think I can help people, you know. I think, um, you know, just my experiences, what not to do and maybe what to do. You know, That's right. other than that, I, I don't, you know, so, but anyways, yeah. Awesome. We appreciate you coming on. Um, and that concludes our big interview with you, man. Uh, we appreciate you and uh, hopefully we can keep in touch and, you yeah, know. Yeah, don't be a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to try to learn that code so I can get in and out of my place. <laughs> Definitely. We're going to have to go to Michigan and hang out over there. <laughs> well, right. hey, I'll tell you a quick story, right? You guys are like, man, we got to go. Um, so the first year I had this marina, we had to pull out like uh, 500 dock posts. And this kid, his name's Nate Bach. He came up from California to train at uh, Scott DeMore School here in Windsor, right? So he's over because he, he has no, he, he didn't have any friends, right? So he'd come over here and help me around the marina, right? And uh, he's like, yeah, I was big fan of yours in 2003 you know and he's a young guy right so we're talking about wrestling and you know and him helping me out I'd pass on knowledge you know how to mm -hmm. you know wrestling moves all that stuff and how to act and you know all that stuff and and I'm down and it was so funny because he's telling me about matches I had and stuff like that and so I'm down on my hands and knees and I'm just wrenching you know trying to unbolt these holes right because you have to uh -huh. bury them in the muck and pull them out and stuff and i look back and i go hey that eight-year-old kid that was a big fan of rhino did you ever think you'd be helping him at his marina on his hands and knees with my ass in the air and, and I'm looking back, i go 
I go, that's a sight. This is a sight you'll never get out of your head. <laughs> I, go, I go, I probably ruined every childhood, you know, hope you had, you know, being arrested. Oh, and he just starts laughing. I go, well, soak it in, kid, because this is a real life. <laughs> great story, great story. Uh, but anyway, so, all right, guys. Well, hey, thanks for having me. All right, appreciate man, we gonna, don't, don't be a stranger, man. Definitely come back and talk with us. Oh, for sure, for sure. All right, man. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. Okay, you too.